He had done essentially everything he had ever seen in the movies. He thought he was saving his friend's life by doing that. But in reality, many of those things that he did actually endangered his friend's life even more. We see this over and over and over again. People make these same mistakes when it comes to accidents and injuries in the outdoors. And so that was kind of the defining moment for me where I was like, you know, I think there is a huge need for this education. I think there's a huge audience for it. And we need to have better access to this information. Today's guest is Dr. Natalie Bonthius, an emergency medicine doctor and the founder of Survival Med. Dr. Bonthius combines her background in neuroscience with austere medicine, which is the practice of medicine in resource-limited environments, such as the wilderness. As you'll hear in this episode, Dr. Bonthius researches and teaches about what happens in the mind and human behavior in extreme environments and survival conditions. She's worked with the National Park Service, National Association for Search and Rescue, independent expedition organizations, the military, and more. So let's get into it. I'm your host, Liz Landine, and this is The Outdoor Entrepreneur. Dr. Bonthias, welcome to the show. Hi, it's so great to be here. Well, lots of my listeners are into the outdoors, obviously, and, you know, enjoy being in nature. That could be a little, that could be a lot. There's kind of varying levels of what that looks like. But either way, I thought a really good way to kick us off on our call would be if you could share maybe some interesting facts or some numbers about accidents and incidents that happen in the outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am an emergency medicine doctor, and I am specializing in wilderness and expedition medicine in particular. So I am planning on taking my medical medical skills and um, practicing pretty much exclusively in austere environments. And I started a company called Survival Med to teach about those incidents and to kind of help educate the public as to what happens out there and how you can stay healthy and happy and alive in the outdoors. So I, I've done a lot of research over the past five years or so about those different incidents and the, the numbers behind them and what we're actually seeing out there. And it's been really interesting over the past couple of years, actually since COVID especially, we've had a huge surge in search and rescue calls across the United States. And in some places, it has more than tripled. For instance, in the Grand Canyon, between 2020 and 2021, they went from having about 350 annual search and rescue calls to about 800. And in some other national parks, it's uh, been even more of a difference. And some of these search and rescue teams were completely overwhelmed, starting really at the onset of COVID. And when you think about that, it's kind of a, an interesting phenomenon. Like, why would COVID cause more search and rescue calls? But what we think was happening was during the lockdowns, a lot more people were starting to go into the outdoor space for the first time uh, in, a, in a major way, you know. And so they were going out and doing hiking and camping and the only things that they could do when society was shut down. And a lot of people had no training at all as to what they should do if they get lost, what to pack, uh, how to stabilize basic injuries out there, things that, you know, are basic skills to take with you in the outdoors. And so we think that that contributed in huge ways to the volumes that we've seen in the, over the past few years. Mm, so interesting. I mean, I know I've noticed just from the little bit of hiking and camping that I do, 
I'm amazed at how many more people I'm running into and how many more people are out there. And it's beautiful. It's great. You know, more people outdoors and enjoying the benefits of being outdoors is wonderful. But yeah, so that's really an interesting, interesting uh, research that's been done and just kind of, I think, perfect for the work that you you do with Survival Med. And, uh, and we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So yeah, absolutely. Let me just jump back a little bit. So you touched on your background. So you have a background in neuroscience and, and you're combining that with austere medicine. I would love for you to explain what that all means because I had to Google austere medicine. I had never heard of it before. <laughs> right. So can you explain what, all, what that all means? Yeah, well, I think I'll kind of approach that from the two different angles that it is. Austere medicine is basically practicing medicine outside of the hospital. So most of the time right now, I'm working in the basic emergency room setting where we have lots of different options as to how to treat different conditions that we see. We have, you know, full teams there available to help out. We have all the medical equipment in the world to do that. But what I want to do with my medical career is actually take those skills and practice in the outdoors, far from traditional medical care. And that requires a lot of creativity and uh, it requires you to, you know, have a lot of confidence and be bold with those skills and go places that, you know, no one else is taking those medical skills. And, you know, wherever humanity goes, we need medicine to follow because accidents happen everywhere. So it's important to know how to to treat and stabilize those injuries when you're far from a hospital and to keep people alive, far from those traditional medical support systems. So my goal is to go on expeditions uh, to those very remote places and go with teams of researchers and other people that are going to those remote locations. And I'm going to be the physician in that position. So it's a really kind of exciting career, definitely. Um, And within that, in particular, I'm really fascinated with the psychology of survival. I have a bachelor degree in neuroscience and I've always been fascinated with psychology and how the mind works. And in particular, I'm really fascinated with what happens to people's psychology and psychological state when they are in duress, when they're in really extreme survival conditions, kind of pushed to the edge of their existence. And so I am combining both of those into a career. um, And it's just a really fascinating area. Mm. Well, you might not know this about me. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I feel like what you're saying, what you do, it is like my wildest dream come true. Uh, <laughs> what, what I would love to to do, even though I feel like this is on a subconscious level, I read all kinds of books like this, like the whole genre it's like right up my alley. And I'm always feeling like so pulled to read stories about survival, especially in cold weather environments, which is really interesting because I have no interest in being in cold <laughs> weather environments. But I feel like it's some, this is some like past life that is coming up for me. And it's just so fascinating. I find it so, so fascinating. Yeah. And cold weather itself is a huge umbrella when it comes to psychological effects that happen to people. Um, It's one of the things that I teach about uh, within the courses that I offer is how the cold affects people, even in the very early stages of hypothermia. And so all of those 
things are just really, really interesting to read about and learn about and very interesting to see apply in the medical setting as well. Mm. All right. So how did you get started in wilderness medicine or, or what about it did you find interesting? Like what kind of pulled you into this area? You know, I have always been drawn to the outdoors. I think a lot of listeners of this podcast can relate to that. I think it was a very early age where I started doing major, you know, hiking and uh, really getting into those passions in the outdoors. And that has carried through, um, through the start of my career, uh, so much so that I really want to invest as much of my life as possible into that space. And so I uh, got involved in the Wilderness Medical Society early on in medical school and just started making connections, meeting other doctors that had that same passion and would go on these expeditions. And so uh, it really drew me in very quickly. And I think uh, especially I, I spent about eight months living in the Austrian Alps in a, a town there and just falling in love with mountains and everything that comes with them. And so I think that was really uh, what drew me in originally. So then from there, what led to you starting your own business, right? So you're a doctor and you're, you have these interests and these passions. And then you decided at some point you wanted to start this, this company called Survival Med. Was there a particular incident that led up to this idea? Or what's the backstory, I guess, to its inception? There was a particular incident, which I'll share. Um, and before that one incident, just overall, I've always felt like uh, I love medicine for many reasons. I love helping people. I love seeing humanity at its rawest moments, uh, which you certainly do as an emergency medicine doctor. I love that impact that I can have on people. Um, and it's certainly a safe career overall when you're talking about uh, career prospects, there will always be a need for emergency medicine doctors. So it's certainly, you know, something that is good as a launching point for a career to always have to fall back on essentially. But I am very self-motivated. And again, I think it's something a lot of listeners of this podcast can probably relate to is I, I have a need to start projects on my own and have autonomy with it and grow it to its fullest potential and really invest my entire soul into something. And I found that being an entrepreneur and combining my love of medicine and the outdoors uh, was just a very natural fit for that. And so when I'm not at the hospital and I'm not out on the trail, I pour every minute of my waking hours into survival med. And I love it. I love seeing my efforts pay off in terms of being able to, to educate so many thousands of people around the world about these topics and uh, really create something unique. And in terms of the incident that sparked my idea behind this entire project, um, I was actually working at an emergency room in Northern Arizona, about two hours from the Grand Canyon. And it was about a year ago that this happened. But two teenagers came flying through the doors of that ER one afternoon and they were carrying a cooler with them and they went straight up to the triage nurse at the head of the emergency room. One kid was kind of limping and the other was pulling the cooler. They opened up that cooler and lifted out a huge rattlesnake from it and they had just been in the Grand Canyon messing around amidst that cooler. There was all kinds of beer and other stuff in there and 
they hoisted that snake out because it had just bitten one of those teenagers on the ankle. And uh, I went on to, to care for that kid and to, you know, give him anti-venom and everything in the ER. But it turned out that his friend had tried to suck the venom out of his leg with his own mouth. And then they also smashed the snake and threw it in the cooler and brought it with them to the hospital, thinking that we would need to identify it in order to give the right treatment for it. And he had done essentially everything he had ever seen in the movies when it came to that snake bite. He thought he was saving his friend's life by doing that. But in reality, many of those things that he did uh, actually endangered his friend's life even more. There's no way to suck out venom from somebody once it's been introduced to the body like that. There's no need to bring it with you to the hospital. And yet we see this over and over and over again. People make these same mistakes when it comes to accidents and injuries in the outdoors. And so that was kind of the defining moment for me where I was like, you know, I think there is a huge need for this education. I think there's a huge audience for it. And we need to have better access to this information. We shouldn't be seeing cases in these high of volumes as we are. Wow, what an incredible story. So, okay, I love this. So tell us more about Survival Med then. Like, what are the services you offer and what are the the various aspects to to Survival Med? So Survival Med is a 100% virtual project. I offer many different courses on there and I teach them over Zoom, actually. So I teach wilderness first aid. I teach wilderness first responder courses, basic survival survival psychology, solo travel for women, many different topics on there. And we really focus on the topics that are misconstrued in the media. We focus on the topics that we see the most volumes of rescues for, the highest volumes in our emergency departments and the common mistakes that people make. So it's it's really the stuff that's not intuitive that we want to focus on um, and pack a lot of value in there for a fraction of the cost that it usually takes to take this kind of class. And because I'm able to offer it completely virtually, I can cut down significantly on the associated costs that typically come with running these types of classes. So for instance, to run a traditional wilderness first aid course, you have to rent space in the outdoors. You have to rent lodging, uh, space to teach the class. You have to have people pay to fly there and to take your class and do it in person. You have to pay for equipment and all of that. And I think that's very, very limiting for people uh, because most people just cannot take the time off work to do that. They can't afford it financially and uh, in many other respects. And so I decided to do away with that and to teach this virtually. And so I teach people how to use their own camping and hiking equipment to treat these injuries and to stabilize things out on the trail. And uh, it's, it's actually worked very, very well to do it virtually. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because everything's gone virtual, obviously, because of COVID. But it's, it seems like some things just would be really tricky to do in a virtual setting versus in person. And so it seems like yours. I mean, I know within the first year of operation, uh, from my understanding, your courses have reached like all seven continents, you're in more than 100 countries, like you've just had tremendous success with your programs through Survival Med. And so it's obviously translating really well online. And you just touched on, I think, what the key reasons are on why why that is. But do you have any other thoughts on that on why it's, uh, it's doing so well in, in a virtual environment versus in person? Yeah, I think, you know, 
that was something that I that we talked about a lot when I was starting out with this project. I was originally working with some other doctors at the University of Utah to put together all these resources and to figure out how to do this virtually. And it certainly has come up, uh, you know, how do you teach how to save somebody's life through a computer screen? And I think there are certainly benefits to attending something like that in person. You're able to kind of work through to practice those skills hands-on with an instructor. You're able to get direct feedback about that. And I always encourage people to do that if they can afford the time and the money to do so. But we've actually realized that in terms of what people retain and what they're able to do walking away from a class like this, there doesn't actually seem to be a big difference between taking it in person and taking it virtually. Because at the end of the day, people are only going to do what's within their comfort zone when it comes to medical care. And we have found that teaching them to use their own equipment and teaching them several different ways, for instance, to stabilize a bone break, to create a splint, to stabilize somebody's neck after they've had spinal damage, you can do that virtually. You can show them how to use different hiking poles and sweatshirts and jackets and backpacks and tarps, all of that. You can show them how to do that and they can practice in their own living room. Uh, It's about teaching people how to keep somebody alive for long enough to get them to traditional medical care. And overall, I have found that the benefit of reaching massive volumes of people with this information uh, has kind of outweighed the drawback of not being able to do it face-to-face. Yeah, those are all really great points. So who should take your courses or who are your courses for? Is it, is it for more of like the extreme adventurer, you know, who's, who's going out there all the time and really in the backcountry? Or is it appropriate for kind of just the average person who maybe goes out on their little hikes once in a while, or maybe even just like weekly trail runs? Who, who are the courses best for? I didn't really know what the audience would be mostly comprised of when I started this. And I've been kind of blown away in terms of the variety of people that take these classes. Everyone from six-year-old Boy Scouts to 60-year-old experienced mountain climbing neurosurgeons who take these classes. And the spectrum is just mind-boggling that you can have that big of a variety of people walk away from this feeling like they learned something significant. I would say the majority of the audience seems to be uh, people that just enjoy hiking. They like getting out into the outdoors. They like spending their time in that kind of setting, but they're not necessarily trucking to the South Pole by themselves. You know, so it's that's the majority of the audience, but there are certainly people on the extremes of either end of that that have taken it. Yeah, well, you know, as I hear you you talking, it's certainly making me feel like I want to take some of these courses. And I, I do have a little bit of a background. I was an EMT for a little while and all of that. But that was many, many years ago, a whole nother lifetime ago. And it's not that I'm necessarily out in like the backcountry so much, but I'm thinking of even on my road trips and some of the places I go to that could be a little bit more remote. And if I come upon somebody, it would be really nice to be able to help that person if they're in need and to, to have some confidence in my skills. So I can see how it could be applicable to just a wide spectrum of people 
from, like you said, either, either side, it, it can be really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you have tons of thoughts, ideas, and shiny things swirling around that entrepreneurial brain of yours? Whether you already have a business or you dream of having one one day, it's always nice to have someone to talk to and run ideas by. So if you're looking for someone to share all that with and sort through it all, I got you. Grab a free 30-minute clarity call and let's have a quick brainstorming session. In case you don't already know, one of my superpowers is really simplifying things. So at the end of the call, you're going to feel clear, organized, aligned, and ready to make some decisions or take some action from a place of inspiration and intention. People seriously love these calls and they get so much out of them. So if you think you'd benefit from something like this, be sure to grab one today. You can message the words Clarity Call to me on Instagram at Liz Landine or go to lizlandine.com, scroll down the page and click the button to schedule your Clarity Call now. I love connecting with listeners in person and I look forward to chatting with you soon. All right, now let's get back into the episode. So do you have a memorable story or two from people that have gone through your programs on maybe how they've been able to apply what they've learned in, you know, their own real life, real life scenarios? Oh my goodness. So many stories. Uh, It's actually probably my favorite part of running this entire operation is on the social media channels. I'll have people submit photos and videos, things that are happening to them in the outdoors and they're using their skills that they learned in these classes. It is amazing what I've gotten back in return on there. Just last week, uh, a kid sent me some photos of uh, splinting up his friend's femur because his friend fell when they were climbing uh, again in Northern Arizona. I don't know (laughs) why so many incidents are happening in Northern Arizona, but Um, He fell and broke his leg uh, on that climbing trip. And so they were pretty deep into a canyon there. And his friend had just taken my wilderness first responder class. And so he sent me photos of that splint. Uh, They wrapped uh, kind of like the rug of the car around that leg and stabilized it for uh, like took four hours for them to get evacuated out of there. So I get photos like that. A few months ago, somebody sent me Uh, pictures of uh, his fiance. She had just been stung by a jellyfish on their honeymoon. Or sorry, his new wife. Uh, They had just been out kayaking. She had just been stung, had excoriations all over her back from it. And uh, he sent me photos of it. And he said the same thing happened five years ago. And I peed on it five years ago. But (laughs) I knew not to do that this time. So it's really fun stories like that, that I'll get Um, And then earlier in the fall, I did a California wilderness first aid course. And then somebody actually reached out to me several months after that and said that he had been out hiking in the Sierra mountains and he got lost. And he said he never thought that he would have to put those skills to use, but he actually ended up getting stranded for more than 24 hours out there. And he knew to head downhill and downriver to find an old logging road that would connect him to a larger network of roads. And he said that he didn't know if he would have ever made it out of that situation if he hadn't 
taken that class and just learned that very simple point. So it's been really amazing and kind of bone chilling at times to get those stories back from people. I love that you've found a way to bring together, you know, a few key areas of your life that you're really interested in and you're really passionate about, right? So science and medicine, the outdoors, entrepreneurship. It's really, I think, such an awesome example of what can happen when we follow our interests and we follow our curiosities. So is there something you wish someone had told you prior to starting this business venture? Is there a bit of advice or maybe something you would have found really helpful to know early on before you started your own company? Yeah, I think just looking back, you know, 12 or 15 months ago, I never could have imagined how much this would grow in just one year. I did not know what I was doing when I started out. I just had this little idea in the back of my head and I felt like something was missing in my life and that I wanted to invest my energy into some kind of project like this. And I am so glad that I relied on that gut instinct and just dedicated time every day to figuring it out. In hindsight, I've learned a lot over the first year of running this. Um, But if I had known... Uh, at times how difficult it would be and just how much I had to learn. I may have been a lot more intimidated about starting out in the beginning. Uh, so I think it's just about taking it day by day and uh, and figuring out what works for you and crossing those bridges as they come. But overall, I think it's just kind of amazing how quickly something can grow when you find the right niche area and when you have the right tools to to go forward with it. Yeah, agree. All right. So Natalie, what about your current situation or your current setup? Are you absolutely loving right now? I, like I mentioned, I love doing this virtually. I think just being able to offer it in the virtual space has worked really well because I can tailor it to different environments. For instance, the the course that I teach for California is much, much different than the course that I teach for Texas and Tennessee and these different areas. And so I love being able to tailor it to those audiences and to market it differently in those locations based on the things they actually deal with out there on the trail. Um, So that is working fantastically. Um, And like I mentioned before, just being able to connect with so many people all over the world about this information and see these different stories coming in from the farthest corners of the globe is really, really fun. That is probably my favorite part of it. Yeah. And I want to ask a question that I hadn't thought of until just now. And it's around, you know, how quickly you have grown and how I know you're working with all kinds of organizations and counties and national associations and, and all of that. Did that just kind of happen where these people or organizations searching for you already and you filled that gap for them? Or did it take a lot of legwork on your end to reach out to them first and start that conversation? Or was it a combination of, of the two, you really reaching out and them also kind of being in need of, of these services? It was absolutely a combination of both. Like I mentioned, there was just a huge need for this. Especially during COVID, we had this combination of a lot more search and rescue calls, a lot more injuries coming into the ER. Uh, At the same time that a lot of these courses were shut down because they couldn't operate during the pandemic. So moving it into the virtual space 
hit the needle on the head there in terms of being able to meet that need uh, in the public. But it was also kind of a little bit of the sentiment of you create it and the people will come. Mm. And I think that uh, that is really what grew this. Uh, It was kind of a grassroots effort at its heart where I just started putting it out there uh, locally in Utah originally and then spreading my wings to other states and then other countries, other continents. And it grew, I think, from that kind of grassroots angle where people just refer it to their friends and family members. And then, yeah, suddenly you have a lot wider of an audience. <laughs> and uh, and in terms of the other associations that have gotten involved with it, again, it's a combination of both. You know, I would start letting people know primarily through different social media channels about it. And all of a sudden, I was hearing from different national parks and search and rescue organizations and the American Canoe Association, many different groups uh, that expressed interest in it because, again, they had such a need for these certifications and these classes. And so it was certainly a combination of, of reaching out and being reached out to. Cool. And then I'm also wondering just your kind of big picture vision for survival med. And maybe it's too early to, you know, to really envision what this could be five years, 10 years down the road, or maybe you have fully (laughs) thought about this and you have this really kind of grand, uh, grand mission and vision for it. But, but have you thought about that at all or, or have any more thoughts about like, really, where do you see this going um, down the road, maybe a couple of years and kind of big picture? Yeah, I uh, one of my main efforts right now is to convert these classes into many other languages so that I'm able to reach, you know, more people with it. Because uh, right now, it's just primarily taught in English. Um, and a few people have volunteered to translate it into Spanish, which is awesome. Uh, but I think that being able to kind of broaden the horizon and offer courses specific to other countries and their languages for their people is going to be the next move with this. And then beyond that, I think I'd really like to just continue kind of towing the line between wilderness medicine and uh, almost entertainment. But I say entertainment very loosely there. It's not entertainment because this is based in science and fact and real medical information. But in order to draw people in, you have to create a message that's captivating behind it. And that is very easy to do when you face the day-to-day incidents that I see in the emergency room and with these search and rescue missions. The content creates itself in a way. And so I think I'd really like to figure out a system of translating what I'm seeing on a day-to-day basis into books and novels and I other media forms that will be both informative and very interesting for people to read and watch. Mm, Okay, great. Thanks for sharing that. That sounds really, really wonderful. And I'm excited to see kind of just how things unfold and where they go for you over the next years. I think it's going to happen really fast. So that's exciting. Uh, And then let me ask you kind of the flip side to the original question around what you're loving right now. And that's what about your current situation or your current setup? Are you wanting to maybe improve a little bit or get more dialed in? That's a really good question. I think two things with that. I think, first of all, I 
can sometimes have a little bit of struggle as an entrepreneur with outsourcing tasks. And I've realized in the past few months, especially as I've started working again full time in the emergency room, that when you're running a business, you can't do it all. And there's many things that you're going to end up having to delegate in some way to somebody else so that you can focus on the meat of the issue. And so uh, at times, it has been very, very difficult to keep up with the influx of emails and uh, messages and questions and and all of that. Um, so that's one thing that I'm really hoping to kind of be able to walk away from a little bit and to be able to trust other people to kind of take that over for me as I move forward with this. That's more from like the business angle. And then from the social media angle, um, it's been wonderful to get this out there in so many different formats and to such a wide audience over the past year. And I don't know how I would have done that without social media. I mean, there's just no way to reach that many people in that widespread of an audience without social media. But with that, of course, there are vices to social media. I would say 99% of the people that see my message out there and see what I'm doing are very, very positive and supportive of it. But that 1% that can be very negative uh, whenever you're bringing a new idea onto the table, whenever you're offering something like that, it can kind of get to you, I think, as an entrepreneur, even when it's a very, very small fraction of the people that you're dealing with. So there have certainly been difficult days where, you know, somebody responds something nasty on Facebook or, or I have to answer some kind of super charged email about what I'm doing um, or somebody disagrees with something I'm teaching. It, it can really stick with you. But overall, I, I really love what I do and I'm excited to continue growing it. Yeah, good old social media. It is such a... <laughs> it's, there's pros and cons, right? And it's so valuable for growing a business, but then there's the other parts that do come with it. And so I, I know just from a lot of people I've talked to and a lot of other guests, uh, this one comes up often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, as we start to wrap up then, let's tell people where can they find you? Speaking of social media, where can they find you? <laughs> yes. Well, the website is www.survivalmedonline.org. Uh, or you can just search Survival Med on Google and it should pop up. Um, and then Instagram is Survival Med University. And the Facebook is just Survival Med. So any of those channels should take your right to our courses and, and what we're doing here. Perfect. And then as our final question, as I ask everyone, I'm a business strategy and action coach. And my hope in doing this podcast is really to, you know, inspire people to take massive action towards their own dreams and their own goals and to not just dream about it, but to, to really do it and to be it. So with that in mind, I'd love to close out with an action challenge. What's one thing you want people to get out there and do in pursuit of their own dreams and goals? Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is a lot of pressure. I think that... Um, I would just really encourage people to focus on what they lay awake at night thinking about. And I think that we need to rely a little bit more on that intuition because you're probably on to something. If you have an idea that you're laying awake at night thinking, 
people would benefit from and that you could turn into some kind of project or some kind of business, you're probably right. And I think that instead of leaving it kind of in the back of your mind, waking up the next morning and creating just a list of three things that you're going to do that day to get that started and take the next action with it. Taking things in small bites initially, I just looked at it like an experiment. I was like, I'm just going to start doing this and see if it works. And it worked. And, you know, it didn't work perfectly initially. There were certainly bumps in the road, but I, I had to treat it kind of like a fun, interesting project that I wouldn't lose anything if it failed, but I could certainly gain a lot if it worked. And that's exactly what happened. So I think uh, just approaching it with that kind of lighthearted, uh, interested mentality is the way to go with it. That's such a good action challenge. I really love that one. And it's a perfect place for us to close out. So we'll put all the ways that our listeners can learn more about you and your work in the show notes. And then just thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, Natalie. It's been so interesting talking with you. Keep living a curious and inspired life and happy adventuring. Thank you so much, Liz. Hey friends, before we wrap up, I wanted to share a gentle reminder that one of the main reasons I started this podcast was to not only live my own inspired life, but to inspire you to do the same and to ultimately take massive action towards your own dreams and goals. So if you're enjoying this podcast and find the content valuable, please subscribe on Apple Podcast and I genuinely enjoy hearing from you. So please be sure to leave a review. If you're on Instagram, I'd love to connect. So follow at Liz Landeen. And if you want to support me in the podcast further, you can show your support by one, shopping with our sponsors and two, becoming a Patreon member of The Outdoor Entrepreneur. You get some really awesome perks for being a member, including early access, exclusive bonus episodes, social media shout outs, and even a free business idea brainstorming call with me. All right, until next time, be sure to live life on your terms. And if you're not, make a plan and make it happen, my friends. Adventure awaits and it's all yours. Thank you.